She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. Special presentation. Ram Stokers. Dracula. Good evening. It is the year 2022, the 30th anniversary of Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was released on Friday the 13th of November 1992, based, of course, on Bram Stoker's 1897 novel, Dracula. There have been many screen interpretations. Nosferatu in 1922, Dracula in 1931, both in English and in Spanish. Dracula in 1958, Dracula in 1979, oh, and Bram Stoker's Dracula in 1974. Huh. That's right. Bram Stoker's Dracula in 1974. Mm-hmm. Bram Stoker's Dracula was released on February 8th, 1974. It was written by Richard Matheson, produced and directed by Dan Curtis, and starred... Jack Palance as Count Dracula, Simon Ward as Arthur Homewood, Nigel Davenport as Abraham Van Helsing, Fiona Lewis as Lucy Westenra, Murray Brown as Jonathan Harker, and Penelope Horner as Mina Murray. And at least one or two of those names should be familiar to listeners of this podcast. So we'll also do some cast and crew discussion at the end. But, okay. Sounds good. Yeah, you better recognize at least two of those names. Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> so. Bram Stoker's Dracula has a listed running time of 100 minutes. However, the DVD version we watched is only 98 minutes. <gasps> Missing time! <laughs> the movie was abducted by aliens. Oh, my gosh. Man, this is really X-Files adjacent. Sweet. All right. Cool. I'm excited. So we all kind of know the key elements of the Dracula story. Even if you've never read the novel, most versions usually tend to hit the main beats, even when they play fast and loose with the details and the motivations. Mm -hmm. It's night and the air is full of howls. We see a mist-laden lake and a forest and pan across and then up to a dark high castle. We see dogs, and they swarm a mountainous path and enter the castle's yards. Inside, a man in black strides down the hall as the credits appear in large red letters. Jack Palance as Bram Stoker's Dracula. And he quickly descends a series of stairs, and his cape is floating behind. And then we see a horse and carriage leave the castle. And it says, a Dan Curtis production. And then it's daytime, and a horse and carriage enter a courtyard. And it's Beastrix Hungry, May 1897. And then we see passengers emerge one by one from the carriage, and a man takes his bag, and he enters the lodging. Mm -hmm. He introduces himself as Jonathan Harker, and he's given a letter, and both the letter and Harker draw concerned looks from the caretakers. The Mm -hmm. letter is from... Dracula. 
And we get a cool little scene where he's in his room and Dracula actually narrates the letter, which is kind of cool. It's the first time we hear Dracula's voice and mm -hmm. does a pretty good job. So. Yeah. So in the morning, Harker begins his journey to Dracula's castle. The coachman and the other passengers share the same concern looks towards Harker. As the carriage travels, we get the cast and crew credits. And then eventually it's nighttime and we see that the ride has gotten a bit rougher. At Borgo Pass, Harker exits the carriage in the middle of nowhere after the carriage driver kind of tries to convince him not to get out. Like, he's kind of like, I don't know. Um, but he does, and the carriage drives off quickly. And then another carriage sits quietly in the darkness. Its driver is silent and does not respond when Harker asks questions like, are you supposed to take me to Castle Dracula? Which, I mean, you could at least just say yes. But anyway, Harker assumes this must be it because it's the only carriage around and he's in the middle of the woods. So he enters the carriage and it speeds away. <gasps> After a long and rough trip surrounded by dogs at one point, Harker arrives at Castle Dracula. The carriage immediately leaves as Harker gets out and then alone he enters the castle. He meets Dracula at the top of the stairwell. Dracula bids him welcome and grants him permission to enter of his own accord. And then he just turns and leaves and goes up the <laughs> stairs, and Harker's like, okay. He, like, closes the door, and then he follows Dracula up the stairs. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually, because he's just like, oh, like, no one talked to him with the carriage. This guy's being weird. And, like, just leaving his front door hanging open, and he's just like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I'm just here to be a realtor. Like, can you, like... Not be creepy. Can not be weird. Okay. No. Nope. <laughs> not right, be can't. weird about this. Can't. can't. I, I can't <laughs> not be weird. Sorry. Too bad. <laughs> he really can't. So he doesn't have a lot of guests. He doesn't get a lot of people visiting. No, him. but like he lives I really feel far like... away. The neighbors are really far away. No one ever comes to see him. He's lonely. But you know, if you're going to be a vampire who survives, you've got to get better at treating people like you're not planning to murderize them. <laughs> Murderize. Okay. All right. <laughs> or use them for your own means. Anyway, I don't know. It's just a little weird. So, in a fine drawing room, there's a meal laid out for Harker. And Dracula asks that he please excuse him for not joining him as he's already dined. Mm. So, Harker starts to eat, but Dracula wants to see the photos of the properties he brought. This was kind of like a mixed message. He's like, please. <laughs> Eat your dinner. And the minute he picks up his fork, like he's like, I need to see these photos now. And it's like, oh, let the guy eat. Let the guy eat. Had a long, harrowing journey through the woods with a carriage driver who would not speak. Dracula is kind of on a schedule, Tori. Okay. I mean, I don't know if you know about Dracula, but there are certain things that have to happen at certain times. He's on a schedule. I, mean, I realize he's only got till sunrise to sort this <laughs> out, but I feel like he's probably got a couple hours. So anyway, well, looking at the properties proposed for him. Dracula sees a photo of Harker's, and he asks who the young woman is. Harker tells Dracula about his fiancée, Mina Murray, and then he's corrected. Dracula doesn't care about her. <laughs> he wants to know about the other woman. And Harker tells her that that's Lucy Westenra, and she's Mina's dearest friend who lives quite close to one of the properties that Harker actually is proposing Dracula might want to buy. It's a property in Carfax. Oh, that's convenient. Dracula decides that I'm going to purchase Carfax. He kind of fakes and like looks at the other ones for a little bit, but he's like, nope, I've decided to purchase Carfax. And then we cut 
and Harker's having some wine and Dracula is telling them all about his land and the war with the Turks that happened way back hundreds of years ago. <laughs> and he says, we a lot. And <laughs> which is just the thing people do when they talk about history and they are living in the Tori's place defensive because she does the same thing. So <laughs> and then a bell tolls and Dracula's like, oh, it's a morning again. And he apologized for keeping Harker up so late. And then he excuses himself. But as he goes, he says, by the way, I want you to tell your employer that you will stay with me for a month. And then he leaves and locks Harker in. <laughs> and Harker's like, a month? And I can't get out the door. So, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Tough times to be in real estate, I guess. So Harker awakens in bed and he's wearing his clothes and it's dark. And he realizes that he slept through the entire day. So he gets up and while he's shaving, he's surprised by Dracula. And because he's surprised, he cuts himself by mistake. Dracula reacts strangely and tells Harker to write the letters for him now and leaves. And he locks Harker in again. Hmm. Later, dressed and a little disturbed about everything that's going on, Harker discovers a door that's hidden behind a tapestry. So he opens it and he finds what looks like a disused set of stairs. And we see him walking down the same hall that we saw Dracula stride through in the opening. He finds a cluttered and dusty drawing room. There's a bottle of wine and he actually drinks some of it, which I don't know that I would touch it, honestly. But hey, you do you. And then he starts going through Dracula's stuff while he's listening to the music box on the desk. Yeah, he just starts going, he's like drinking Dracula's wine, just going through his stuff. That's, hmm. Well, to be fair, this guy has been super weird, so I don't know. I, think I don't it's... know. As this movie progresses, I'm more on the side of Dracula, honestly. But <laughs> in a book, Harker finds a newspaper clipping that is the exact same photo as the one he brought with him. So apparently they rate newspapers and... It's got himself and Mina and Lucy and Lucy's fiance, Arthur Holmwood, in it. So it's the exact same photo that he was looking at earlier with Dracula. Except in this one, Lucy is circled in the clipping. I think it's their engagement announcement in the newspaper. Oh, possibly. Yeah. That and they're sense. both, yeah. Yeah. They both they both got money, apparently. So mm -hmm. yeah. So then he sees a coffin across the room up on like a counter, and it's open and it's empty, but above it is a painting. And the frame on the painting reads, Vlad Tepish, Prince of Wallachia, 1475. And it portrays a mounted rider entering a battle that looks exactly like Dracula, the dude yeah. on the horse. And there's also a woman in the painting, like, watching the rider. And she looks exactly like Lucy. Huh. Mm -hmm. Suspicious. So Harker turns and he's surprised to find three women have entered the room. He asks who they are. He didn't even hear them enter, but they're silent and they move towards him. He asks what they want and they begin to hiss and attack him. Mm -hmm. They jump on him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then suddenly Dracula throws open the door and he stands in the doorway and he's like, how dare you touch him? And he throws the women aside and then he grabs Harker by the shirt and he's like, before I have finished with him. Yeah, he doesn't care if they kill him. He just needs him to do his business first. So mm. come on, ladies, relax a little. Let's get the real estate paper signed, and then we can do whatever you want. It's fine. Yeah. Business before pleasure. 
the yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone knows that. So he throws Harker into a chair in his room and tells him to write the letter stating that he will be staying for some time and will be also making contacts to begin his own business in Europe. Oh, exactly. was going to set him up. In Eastern Europe or Europe? Because he's in Europe already, right? Well, yeah, but Europe is a big place. Okay. So basically, basically saying, like, I'm not coming back is what Dracula is yes, telling him to say. Yes. Mm. So as Harker writes the letters, Dracula remembers his previous life with the woman who looks like Lucy. He's brought out of these memories by Harker saying that he's done and asks him what's next. Dracula looks at the letters and tells Harker that next he, Dracula, will go to England. He then grabs Harker by the throat and says that Harker shall stay, and he throws Harker across the room. He lands by his bed, unconscious on the floor, as Dracula leaves. Oh. Yeah, Harker ain't going back. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. It's daytime when Harker awakens, and he's locked in his rooms. But he hears horses from outside, so he goes to the window, and he calls down to two men on a cart that's laden with large crates. They totally ignore him. Mm -hmm. So he's like, ah, so he tries to go through all the doors, and they're all locked. Even that previously hidden door, locked. Can't get out of them. So he decides to try the window, because there's big, large, like, things of ivy hanging down from the castle. So he starts climbing the ivy to reach the top of the castle. I might have maybe seen if it went down and tried to go down the castle. Yeah, I, I... I had the exact same thought. Like, why would you climb up? I mean, I guess that he's he's testing the weight of the vines, and then he starts to climb. So maybe they don't go down far enough. But I, I was like, yeah. why would you go upwards, though? Yeah, I don't know. Mm. But anyway, so there's access to a stairwell at the roof, apparently, and it leads him all the way down to the lowest level of the castle, where he finds more crates similar to those in the cart. And it looks like they are being filled with earth. Ooh. So then he sees a coffin that's similar to the one in Dracula's room. Inside, he finds a sleeping Dracula. So Harker grabs a shovel. As he prepares to strike, Dracula seems to look at him and Harker misses the mark. Then Harker is set upon by one of the men who had been on the cart. He slams Harker's head into the wall and knocks him out. And the men leave Harker where he fell. Do you think Dracula was putting the little whammy on him to make him miss? Or was that just like, it's hard because he's very squinty. I can't tell if he was looking or if he was just <laughs> still asleep. I don't know. I mean, I would guess that he has some sort of protective magic, whether it's conscious or not. I don't know. Because like he misses with the shovel, but it does like push his head aside when it goes into the coffin. Mm -hmm. So like. Maybe it's too close. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe Harker just had bad aim, and it was unfortunate for that him. Was, that was that was a bad move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and those men were probably paid a lot because they don't try and help him at all. They just attack and leave him for dead. No, so. they grab him and slam his head right into the wall and like just mm -hmm. leave him there. So they're like, dude, yeah. we're paid to do some dirt. That's all we're doing. So, yeah, this guy likes laying a coffin. That's not my business. That's nope, my business. nope. Just so. fill the coffins with dirt and get out of there. Get your paycheck. <laughs> yep. This is a daytime job, not a nighttime job. We're here to do a job and leave. So so it is night, and Harker awakens, and then Dracula's three brides set upon him. <gasps> he's he's done for. Yeah, yeah. And then it's Whitby, England, five weeks later, and a dead man is seen tied to the wheel of a ship that has run aground. 
a cross is in his hand. But below, on the shore, Dracula stands beside a large crate as the wind whips his cloak and the ship's ragged sails. And then, in the bright sun, we see the steamiest steam train ever pull into Whitby Station. Mm-hmm. It is steamy. Oh, my God. I don't know if they were really like that or not, but that was, that was a lot of that. Yeah. I guess probably why it was going so slow. There was so much steam coming out of that train, nothing was turning the wheels. And then Mina Murray disembarks, and she's greeted by a woman who we'll learn is Mrs. Westenra, Lucy's mother. She tells Mina that Lucy will be glad to see her. And then they discuss the lack of word from Jonathan, and Mina asks if they've determined what ails Lucy. Lucy's mother says they do not know, except that she has been walking in her sleep. Arthur thinks it's nothing, but they're bringing in another doctor, Dr. Van Helsing, a friend of Arthur's family. On the ride to the Western Row Estate in Hillingham, Lucy's mother provides exposition regarding the Demeter, which is the ship that ran aground several weeks ago with the man tied to the wheel. Mm-hmm. So we get some of the background on it if you're not familiar with the Dracula story. Yeah, and she's just so. like, you know, something really weird happened. The ship crashed and there were only these crates and it was so mm-hmm. odd. Yes. Yep. So Dr. Abraham Van Helsing examines Lucy and tells her and the attendees, Arthur, Mina, Lucy's mother, the butler, and the maid, that she will be fine and that they should all let her get some rest. Later, separately, in another room, Arthur asks Van Helsing what he thinks it is. And Van Helsing asks about the wound on her throat and how long she's had it. Arthur says that she's had it for about three weeks, but he had her blood checked and there's no sign of venom. Van Helsing is hesitant to say what he thinks it truly is, but asks to stay for a few days. When Arthur keeps pushing to tell him, Van Helsing says that if it is what he believes, the most venomous serpent in the world would pale by comparison. Ooh, that's scary. Yeah. So Lucy tells Arthur that she's scared. She never walked in her sleep before. And she keeps having these terrible nightmares. She feels like a darkness is surrounding her and draining her. Speaking of which, we see Dracula striding down a stairwell in Carfax Estate. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to Lucy, who is tossing and turning feverishly in bed. Arthur complains to Van Helsing about the garlic wreath. But Van Helsing basically tells him to stop his whining. They must not let Lucy sleepwalk again. So they decide to stand watch and make sure that she doesn't. Mm -hmm. So then Dracula crosses the lawns and he sees Lucy's window and there's a big old cross on it. And he sees the room is all lit inside and there are people there. And then inside, Van Helsing wakes up Arthur because Arthur's sleeping on like this couch. And he says, I need for you to take over. It's almost dawn, but I fear that I may fall asleep before it arrives. (gasps) Outside, Dracula smiles and he puts the whammy on Arthur. He might have been putting the whammy on Van Helsing, too. We're not sure. Anyway, Arthur falls asleep, conks out. And then Lucy awakens, and she sleepwalks across the lawn, removing the bandage from her neck as she approaches Dracula. He calls her Maria, and they embrace, and they kiss passionately. And then he chomped down on her. Mm-hmm. And then a chirping bird awakens Van Helsing through the open window. He shouts to Arthur that Lucy is gone. So they go out to look for her and they find her on a bench under a tree and it's the bench where she was sitting with Dracula and the wound on her neck has fresh blood on it. 
<gasps> Inside the maid, probably against her will, is providing <laughs> a blood transfusion for Lucy. Oh, yeah. 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 So later, Van Helsing finally tells Arthur about Nosferatu, the undead. Lucy is the unknowing victim of a vampire, a preternatural being, a reanimated corpse that drinks the blood of the living by night. Arthur is dubious, but Arthur is also <laughs> kind of a dummy, honestly. So I like yeah. Arthur. I feel like he's just, you know, the loving uh, himbo I, fiance who just I doesn't know what to do. Arthur doesn't realize he's gay. And, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely so, out of his depth anyway, regardless yeah, of what's going on. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. But he's also kind of a dummy. Yeah. Van Helsing says that he has lived long enough to accept what is, whether or not it's explained by science. Because Arthur's like, you, a man of science. And he's like, kid, don't mess with me. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he says they shall continue as before. But this time he will take steps to make sure they stay awake. We will find out those steps later, and it is hilarious. But anyway. <laughs> so three days pass. Lucy and Arthur go rowboating, and the ladies have tea parties. Van Helsing regrets that he has to leave. They thank him, and he says that her recovery is his thanks, and he shall see them at the wedding. As he leaves, he tells Arthur not to deviate from their procedure and gives him a bottle with more than enough tincture to stay awake. <laughs> They've been drugging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you do what you have to, right? He makes Arthur promise to continue with every safeguard. And when he returns, they will begin their search. <gasps> that night at Scarborough Zoo, a zookeeper or watchman, I'm not sure. I think he's probably a watchman, but I'm not sure. He comes across a man in black standing beside a dog pen with bent bars. The dog attacks the watchman as the man in black. Dracula watches. So Dracula was all meant the bars. And I keep saying dogs in this script. They're dogs. I think they're supposed to be wolves, but they couldn't get wolves. And so uh -huh. dogs. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought the same thing. So Lucy sleeps as Arthur and her mother watch. Arthur pulls a revolver from his jacket pocket. Mrs. Westenra begs him to tell her what Van Helsing told him. He tells her that the important thing is that Lucy is recovering. But then somewhere we hear a dog howl. <clears throat> Arthur checks the window, but he sees nothing. He lays his gun on the table. And <clears throat> then a huge <clears throat> dog bursts through the window and attacks Arthur. Miss Westernra watches a bit and then she faints. She just doesn't do anything. Yeah, she doesn't grab for the gun or nothing. She just kind of like walks around and watches the dog chew on Arthur and then faints in the chair. Mm-hmm. And Arthur and the dog, as they're like, you know, they're, I wouldn't say they're fighting, but the dog is attacking him. And as they rumble, they bump the table and the pistol falls. And a bloody Arthur shoots the dog. <gasps> which I, is supposed to be a wolf. I think you're right. Yeah, but still, I mean, dogs, wolves. Yeah, yeah. And then we see Dracula in the window. And Lucy awakens and she pulls off her cross and the garlic flower wreath. And it's like, I'm here. So then we see the butler running down the hall and he's banging on the door and he can't get it in. The maid comes over. And he's like, wait here. And then inside the room, we see Mrs. Westerna is unconscious and Arthur's still unconscious and the dog is dead. And then Arthur kind of stirs and he finds that Lucy's bed is empty. But the butler has come back with a key and he opens the room and they go in 
And then he and Arthur find Lucy dead by the lake. And her eyes are wide open. And there are tears running down her face. Oh, no. Yeah, she's just kind of laying there all like a Kimbo against the post. Mm -hmm. But she's dead. And then Lucy is interred in the Western tomb. And Arthur is drinking and he's looking at Lucy's portrait. And he hears a tapping and he sees her at the window. And he lets her in. He's very shocked to see her, obviously. And Van yeah, Helsing. He's like, no, you're dead. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm alive. And he's like, oh, okay. And it was a window. <laughs> he's like, sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, can't dispute the evidence in front of me. You are there talking. So, okay. Van Helsing shows up in the nick of time with a cross and she flees out the window. Van Helsing has to stop Arthur from trying to follow and tells him that she's dead. That was not Lucy. It was a vampire come to drink his blood. <gasps> And it was because we saw her teeth. So, yes. Yeah. At dawn, they enter the tomb and her coffin, the lid is off and she's just laying there and she looks like she is just alive. And so Van Helsing stakes her <clears throat> and then he drives a tear from her eyes because she cried when she was getting staked. Yeah, poor Lucy. That's a sad end. Arthur just stands there and winces. (laughs) So, yeah, he's not really helpful most of the time. Well, it is his fiance. It's pretty traumatic. She's already dead, and now he's being killed again. I guess. Van Helsing tries to convince Mina that she and Lucy's mother should leave. Mina demands to know what's going on. So Van Helsing actually decides that, okay, I'll tell you. And so he tells her about vampires and we get some exposition on how vampires work in the story, which mm-hmm. is good. You know, daylight, coffins with dirt, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then hearing this, Mina relates the story that Mrs. Western had told her about the ship that only had boxes of earth. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Good thing we get in all this exposition that linking up so we find out what's going on. Yeah, that seems important. Yeah. So at night, Dracula enters the Western Ratum and he calls to Maria and he's standing there and he's calling for her, waiting for her to come to him. And he looks very happy and then nothing happens. And he looks a little more confused and less happy. And then he finds her in the coffin, staked and truly dead. And he cries out. And flashes back to the death of his wife as soldiers drag him away from her body. And then he wrecks the entire tomb. Yeah, he fucks that place up. He turns over all the tombs and all the urns with ashes are broken. And, man, he trashes it. I know. And I actually, I felt really bad for him in this scene. Like, he looked so happy calling for her. And he's like, oh, we're going to be together. And then, no, she's been staked. Yeah, no, he flipped over her coffin and then just, like, trashes the place. Mm-hmm. Like flips over big old stone tombs and stuff. Dracula's pretty strong, apparently. So then Van Helsing and Arthur take Mina and Mrs. Westerna to the George Hotel in Whitby. But Dracula sees them leaving and he follows them in his own carriage. <gasps> so Van Helsing and Arthur leave after making sure that Mina and Mrs. Westerna are secure at the hotel. But then after they leave, Dracula enters, and he's actually about to go into their room. He's like, get me to turn the doorknob. And this porter shows up and is like, hey, this is a respectable place. What are you doing going into <laughs> ladies' rooms? 
So yeah, he dies. Buddy. Dracula strangles him. Mm-hmm. And then another porter comes out who thinks he's badass because he has a big old gun. But like he waits till the last minute and he shoots Dracula in the stomach and doesn't do anything. And then Dracula throws him out the window. Boom, he lands on the ground way down below. But then Dracula decides, like, mm, place is kind of hot. Maybe I should leave. So he leaves. And, like, one guy comes out of his room to see what's going on. And Dracula grabs him and throws him down the stairs to knock out two other dudes. And then Dracula just makes his way through everybody else and, and leaves. So, yeah. Yep. Meanwhile, Van Helsing and Arthur get the lowdown on the Demeter. It's manifest at 10 crates of Earth, but only nine were on board when they were picked up. Uh-oh. Yeah. So it's unclear whether they learned about the Demeter during the day or at night right after leaving the hotel. But that day, they track down the shippers. And they figure out who picked up the crates for one, Count Dracula, and delivered (gasps) them to the Carfax estate. And Arthur's like, that's less than 10 miles from Hillingham, which was a really big selling point when Harker was telling him about the property. So thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, good job, Jonathan. Yeah, Dracula was kind of sneaky. He was like, I mean, he gave one, he gave him his real name, so I guess he's not that sneaky. But he's no. like, he had like one company pick it up and hold it, and then another company came and picked it up and held it, and then another company picked it up and then took it to his place. So he was trying to, I don't know if he used different names every time, but. Yeah, trying um, to obscure where they were going. Yeah. But at least on the ship, he used the name Count Dracula. So. Mm-hmm. so Van Helsing and Arthur arrive at Carfax Estate, and they enter, and this is still daytime. And they find nine crates of earth. Van Helsing realizes that Dracula is not here, nor is the tenth crate, which means he must have another hiding place and likely means to find one for each of these crates. Mm. I mean, that's smart vampiring, though. Like, have different places you can retreat during the day. Yeah, so then he's like, Arthur, help me get all these crates together. Hmm. I guess they're just, you know, cleaning up their mess. Yeah, totally. Investigating. (laughs) So they arrive back at the George Hotel that night. The clerk tells them the ladies have already left. A madman broke into the hotel the night before. And the ladies left a note. They went back to Hillingham. What? They were just there. Yeah. They, they must have just missed each other. Mm-hmm. Boom. Oh, man. That's inconvenient. Yes, it is. Yeah. So Mina and Mrs. W are in their bedclothes. And Mina's like, where could they be? Because she's talking about Arthur and Van Helsing, right? Like, why aren't they back? We told them we were coming back here. So the butler and the maid are in the servant's kitchen downstairs, and they hear a noise. So the butler grabs a gun, and he tells the maid to stay put, and he goes to investigate. And he finds the front doors have been torn from their hinges. So he's like, mm, looking around with his gun, and he climbs the stairs. But then he turns, and Dracula's down the stairs behind him. And so he gets off four shots, but we don't see what happens. Yeah. And then Mina goes into the hall, having heard the gunshots, and she sees Dracula approaching down the hallway. So I guess Dracula got past the butler. She locks the door, and then she and Mrs. W are all huddling on the bed, but no locked door is going to stop Dracula. Boom. No. Busts in the door, and he's just standing there. So Van Helsing and Arthur arrive. The butler is at the base of the stairs, and he looks dead. Mm -hmm. Dracula is about to feast on Mina... When Van Helsing pulls a cross, Dracula tells him to put it away. Van Helsing agrees. Dracula rises and tells them that they cannot hope to defeat him. He who commanded armies hundreds of years before their birth. He tears a gash in his chest and he compels Mina to drink. She will be blood of his blood, kin of his kin. 
his companion in the night, his slave. <gasps> he then drops her and leaves, giving both Van Helsing and Arthur a glare. But also yeah. it's kind of like a fuck you, I won this round kind of look. Yeah, kind of like a glare little like, gives him a little tooth too, like, Humpties? <laughs> I don't think you do. That's right, you just stand there. That's right, little boy, you just step back. I took your fiance. Think I won't take you? Yeah, better. Yeah. So, yeah. At Carfax Estate, though, Dracula finds his nine crates have been burned and the earth in them befouled. And he rages towards the sky. Ah, con! <laughs> so, yeah. So then Van Helsing hypnotizes Mina. If what Dracula says is true, then their bond must work both ways, at least to some degree. So he's trying to have her figure out where Dracula is. And she's got her eyes closed and she's hypnotized. And she says she hears water. And Van Helsing realizes they fucked up by destroying those crates. Because now Dracula has fled. And if he escapes, he will maintain control over Mina until she dies. Van Helsing fears she will become a vampire, but does not know for sure. So they must check all the travel manifests. Mina says the word Dracula in her hypnotized state. Van Helsing snaps her out of the trance and asks her about the name Dracula. She says that is the name of the man Jonathan went to see in Transylvania. <gasps> Connection. Yeah, because she wouldn't know that that was Dracula. That's why he was like, how do you know that name? Yeah. Traveling by train, Van Helsing believes they can beat Dracula home. They obviously know where he lives now because they know where Jonathan went. So <laughs> Mina asks Van Helsing that if it becomes necessary to deal with her as they did with Lucy. Arthur seems to be deciding that maybe he'll hook up with Mina a little bit. <laughs> in the feel of like, oh, my other fiance died and her fiance hasn't shown up. So maybe I can get with Mina. I don't know. So he tries to, <laughs> you know, placate or whatever. And Van Helsing is like, no, 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 you'll be fine. And she's like, no, something is happening to me. I can feel it already. Bit by bit, I am fading away. <sighs> So Mina tosses and turns in bed as Van Helsing watches over her. Arthur arrives with Madame Kristoff, who will watch over Mina. Van Helsing told Mina that they are heading back to England tomorrow morning in hopes that both she and, by extension, Dracula will believe it. Mm -hmm. So they're trying a little subterfuge here. And then they head off to travel to Castle Dracula on horseback. Ooh. They arrive while it's still light, which is a good thing, because you don't want to go to Castle Dracula when it's dark. Uh-uh. No. So Arthur finds entry to the lower level from outside the castle. Convenient. And they find the three women in their coffins. Arthur's like, what are they? And Van Helsing is like, they're vampires. We have to destroy them. And so Van Helsing does, and then Arthur just stands by the side and winces some more. <laughs> so yeah. That's not too much. He's not very helpful. <laughs> no. <laughs> The stomach for it. I mean, he just doesn't have the constitution for that sort of thing. He's meant to be not. playing piano and reading poetry with his fiance. I'm not even <laughs> sure he can play piano, honestly. <laughs> then the sun has Dracula set. did Lucy a favor, is all I'm saying. <laughs> so he saved her well, from he got life, her staked, so. though. I don't know if you're gonna do her a real yeah, favor. Well, I mean, that wasn't his plan. I know but that. I'm just not gonna saying. spend her actual life hanging out with Arthur. 
until he finally like realizes that he's you know really gay and then decides to run off and then she's left penniless and it's horrible <laughs> that wouldn't work yeah but i mean being staked dead is not great either so just saying no, didn't really work I mean, out in yeah, her favor I mean, you know six of one half a dozen the other <laughs> she had a good night i mean if you believe the book she at least got to eat a baby so you know <laughs> Let's not talk about eating babies right now. <laughs> Tori's hungry. No, Tori has too many vampire things in her head, and I don't want to go off <laughs> on tangents that are not related to Dracula right now. So let's not do that. Then at Castle Dracula, the sun has set, and Van Helsing and Arthur are still in the basement. That's not good. <laughs> they find an Iron Maiden and a pit. We don't really see what's in the pit. But then... Jonathan Harker attacks them <gasps> and he knocks both of them down and then pounces on Van Helsing. Arthur grabs a shovel and shouts, Jonathan, Jonathan looks up and Arthur whacks him in the head with the shovel and Jonathan stumbles back and he falls into the pit. And then inside the pit, Jonathan is impaled by giant spikes, No, which I have to wonder, why does Dracula even have a spike pit? Like, why is that there? I mean, he's got an Iron Maiden, too. Maybe those are from when he wasn't Dracula. Okay, he, he, so maybe they're from, like, when he was... Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure if those spikes are supposed to be stalagmites or if they're actually spikes. They're, they're kind of hard to see in the Yeah. Darkness. So, we should mention that Jonathan was a vampire. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. He's yeah. been turned into a vampire. So he's been a yeah. vampire this whole time. He's not just like, hey, I'm living here now. Get out of my house. No, he's yeah. a vampire. Didn't work out for him or Lucy, really, but yeah, they tried. And Van Helsing says they now must hope that Dracula is there as well. I mean, I would hope that he's not because dark. (laughs) But But you can't you can't stake the vampire if he's not there. No, but you also can't stake him at night because he's super strong and will kill you. True. True. Yeah, that is an excellent point. So a clock by Mina's bed bongs and it reads four, which I'm guessing is 4 a.m not 4 p.m this gets dark really early in transylvania she wakens and she's very fearful and she reaches out for the cross that's hanging from matt and christoph's neck and it burns her hand she's like <gasps> ah, ah help oh, no. me what have oh, i become no. so yeah that's not good no it's not a good sign she's gonna vamp out yep take out madame christoph so then van helsing and arthur are in dracula's room they see the painting of when he was the prince all mm-hmm. those years ago, hundreds of years ago. But the coffin below it is empty. Arthur comments on the woman in the painting because she could be Lucy. And then Dracula slams the door behind them and says, you are now in my domain, gentlemen. Uh-oh. He says they shall not leave. And Arthur pulls across. After some impasse, Dracula hurls a table at them, knocking them down, and Arthur drops the cross. Yep. Dracula throws Van Helsing across the room into a suit of armor, and it smashes apart when he hits it. And then Arthur scrambles for the cross, but he's too slow. Dracula grabs him and throws him onto another table and is throttling him. Oh, my strangle you. <laughs> so then Van Helsing pulls down a set of heavy curtains and reveals the sun. Oh! Yeah, well, there's his weakness. Mm. Dracula tries to flee, but when he opens the door, it reveals a sunlit room. So they have opened all the curtains, and he is screwed now. Damn. Arthur overturns his coffin, while Van Helsing pulls down more curtains to let more sunlight into the room. 
Dracula collapses, gasping against an upturned table. He turns, and Van Helsing plunges the suit of armor's lance into Dracula's chest and through the table, which pins him upright, facing the sun. Dracula gasps once more, and then his head drops forward. Then Van Helsing and Arthur just leave. They're like, oh, okay, he's, yeah. Uh, cool. He's probably dead. It's fine. I would have at least stopped and looked through some of those books because I bet Dracula had some good books. Yeah, seriously, take some. There's from a lot your of library. books on the floor. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, the camera sticks around and pans a bit to frame Dracula from the side, and then we see his portrait in the background, and then we hear the sound of like military trumpets and the battle cries of soldiers are all Dracula, 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 and there's drums and boom, boom, boom. And the camera zooms in so we only see the painting. And then we keep hearing all the music. And then there's this red text that scrolls up the screen. It says, in the 15th century, in the area of Hungary known as Transylvania, there lived a nobleman so fierce in battle that his troops gave him the name Dracula, which means devil. Soldier, statesman, alchemist, and warrior. So powerful a man was he that it was claimed he succeeded in overcoming even physical death. To this day, it has yet to be disproven. And then I mean, it has been disproven. We know that he's not alive. But anyway, that's fine. <laughs> Doing your facts. Mm -hmm. I've lived long enough to know what is, even if it can't be explained by science. <laughs> okay. Then. Anyway, then we get the credits. We see the image of Castle Dracula and the music box plays, which I don't know if this music actually has a name. I'm going to say it's like Maria's theme or something, because it usually plays when Dracula is thinking about Maria. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Anyway, it's over. Yep, that's it. I find it interesting that Mina is almost like a nothing character in this movie because usually she's like the big focal point between Dracula and Van Helsing, right? And the books and everything. Everyone's always in love with Mina. And in this one, she's kind of like, she's just there. And then Jonathan Harker becomes a vampire in this one, which is cool. Yes. And there's no Renfield. Yeah. And there's no Dr. Stewart. And there's mm -hmm. no Quincy Morris, which I actually think is probably improvement because there's a lot of characters in Dracula. Like, yeah. There's too many Dracula, honestly. Take For sure. So. I actually even forgot who the hell Arthur was as far in the book, but he's Lucy's fiance because, because everyone's in love with everybody in Dracula, man. Like <laughs> Seward's in love with Lucy and Quincy, I think is in love with Lucy and with Mina at one point. And then Jonathan comes back and then there's just all these weird triangles and stuff. It's crazy. But, yeah. I haven't read Dracula since like high school. I really need to reread it. Yeah. It's just been a really long time. And I, I always forget it that well. it's basically written as like a series of like letters and shit. Right. And like, I remember that Dr. part. Dr. Seward records stuff. So it's all like transcripts of his records. Mm -hmm. and Yeah. Yep. It also ends really weird. So. Yeah. I thought it was good, though, that they switched the focus to Lucy at first. And then she's like not there. So then it becomes Mina by default. <laughs> well, also, it makes. <laughs> was I was talking to. I was, uh, and we'll get into this and then the Francis Ford Coppola movie in a little bit where Mina is the focus. But I was talking with my wife about it a little bit. 
And we were talking about how it actually makes more sense for it to be Lucy because she's the one he goes after first. Like, if you're after right. Mina, why are you fucking with Lucy? Like, what are you doing? Like, I think it's that, know. like, vampire thing of, like, I'm going to kill everyone you love around you so that you're isolated and then I can have you to myself because you don't have anything else to live for. Yeah, but Lucy's the only person he goes after, at least in the Coppola movie. I mean, in the book, there's not any of that, like, oh, you're my reincarnated wife thing so right yeah a whole different motivation but yeah but no i like i like i like the way this one is laid out i like the story a lot i think yeah they did a really i think they i think they did a really good job of keeping it true and still like thinning it down a lot yeah because there's a lot of stuff that happens and it could get very convoluted very quickly if you kept everything yeah so we we're gonna talk a little bit about the casting crew so Jack Palance plays Dracula, obviously. And a lot of people probably know him from City Slickers. Okay, yeah. You know? But I probably knew him mostly from Ripley's Believe It or Not, which aired from 1981 to 1986. And honestly, if I can track down all of them episodes, it might become a podcast series. So. <laughs> nice. But I mean, he did lots of other stuff before that. But like that's right, where yes. I kind of recognize him from. So, yeah. And then Nigel Davenport, who played Van Helsing, in 1984, he had roles in two movies that are very dear to my heart, and it is not Ghostbusters or Streets of Fire. It is the TV movie A Christmas Carol, starring George C. Scott, in which he plays Silas Scrooge, young Ebenezer's father. Okay. And Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, in which he plays Major Jack Downing, who is not a nice man in that movie, but he does a good job. And I, don't, nice. I, I really have an affection for Van Helsing in this movie. And I'm not sure if it's because of those two movies, where in both those movies, he's not a nice man. He's not a nice man in A Christmas Carol. And he's not a nice man in Greystoke, Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. But I kind of like him in this movie. So Yeah, I like him too. I think he's good. Also, it's kind of nice because he's like, he's like, um, I mean, he's older, but he's like an athletic Van Helsing, which is not something we get until more modern-y stuff. You know, usually Van Helsing is like, an older doctor, it usually seems. Yeah. So I don't remember how he's supposed to be actually in the book or if they actually give very much description of him. I don't but usually remember. He's kind of an older dude. I mean, you know, then he becomes like Hugh Jackman, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And then Simon Ward plays Arthur. And the only thing I, he looked super familiar. I think yeah. he looks like the kid from HR Puff and stuff is what I was thinking, but he's not. Okay. But he played Zorel in the 1984 Supergirl movie starring Helen Slater. So he plays Superman's uncle and Jorel's brother. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he looked really familiar to me too. And I looked him up and I didn't like he was in the Tudors recently, which I haven't watched. And otherwise, like I don't even really recognize a lot of the stuff he was in. So I don't know why he looked familiar, but he does. Yeah, I think he just looks like this has that face. English dude from the 70s. Yeah. Look, I think that's basically. it. He's just got like young, yeah. handsome guy from the 70s. He's got a very 70s look. Yeah. Fiona Lewis, who played Lucy, is in a movie that I really like called The Fearless Vampire Killers. And she plays Madga, the maid, who is attacked by a vampire. And that scene is kind of funny because the innkeeper is super like creepy and is always hitting on her. And like, you know, she's always trying to keep him off. And then he gets turned into a vampire. And so then he attacks her as a vampire and she holds up a cross and he's like, oh, you got the keys Jewish. And so the cross doesn't work. Oh. Doesn't joke. So it's kind of like it's both like a horror movie, but it's also funny. It's like comedy kind of thing. OK. So, yeah. Yeah. I like that movie a lot. 
Nice. She's also in Listomania from 1975, which I know I know of this movie, but I kind of forgotten about it. I don't think I've ever seen it. She plays Marie Degault. I don't know. She's someone who had an affair with Franz Liszt and then wrote a book about it. And the movie is kind of based on the book. But here is the Wikipedia description of this movie. And I, after reading this, I'm like, fuck, I got to see this movie now. I got to go watch it. <laughs> Depicting the flamboyant Liszt as the first classical pop star, Listomania features contemporary rock star Roger Daltrey of The Who as Franz Liszt. The film was released the same year as Tommy, which also starred Roger Daltrey, and it was also directed by Ken Russell. Rick Wakeman from the progressive rock band Yes composed the Listomania soundtrack, which included synthesizer arrangements of works by Franz Liszt and Richard Wagner. He also appears in the film as Thor, the Nordic god of thunder. Huh. Daltrey and Russell wrote the lyrics for the soundtrack, and Daltrey provided the vocals. And then Ringo Starr is in the movie playing the Pope. Interesting. I'm like, I got to see this movie. So Ken Russell also directed Alter States, which is another movie that I'm a big fan of. So... Yeah, I knew about this movie, and I was also a big Franz Liszt fan, like in my, in that year when you become a really big fan of things, you know, like okay, from that, like, yeah. you know, 19 to 22 thing where you're like, when you get involved in stuff, you are involved in stuff. So I had like a little, I photocopied a picture of him and had it like put on a notebook that I was, <laughs> when I was keeping my journal, and yeah, I was a big Franz Liszt fan. So oh, like, and I knew about this movie, but I'd never seen it. So she's in that too. She's been just stuff to. She's also in a movie that's like a Jaws ripoff, or like a Mexican Jaws ripoff movie, which I'm huh. gonna have to see. It's about a tiger shark. So oh, that interesting. Kind of interesting. Yeah, Sarah Douglas plays one of Dracula's brides. I'm pretty sure she's the darkest-haired one with the Lily Munster cape thing that comes around from the side and is the first upon Harker in Dracula's study. Anyway, she played Ursa in Superman and Superman Two, as well as Queen Taramis in 1984's Conan the Destroyer. And lots of 1984 is going on here. So, yeah, yeah, nice. And then, of course, Richard Matheson wrote it and Dan Curtis produced yes. it and directed it. And as I mentioned, y'all better know their names. <laughs> because they did what? Well, Richard Matheson wrote The Night Stalker and The Night Strangler, or well, ah. as well as like, I Am Legend, right? Yes. And then Dan Curtis produced The Night Stalker mm-hmm. and The Night Strangler and then also directed The Night Strangler. Right, so, which and those are the Kolchak movies. So those are the Kolchak movies. That's right. And yeah. then of course Dan Curtis is you know Dark Shadows, mm-hmm. lots of other stuff. He's gonna get mentioned here a little bit later. But yeah, so yeah, if you've listened to any of our episodes and don't know who Richard Matheson and Dan Curtis are, at least you gotta know Richard Matheson. So yeah, this movie was initially planned by CBS for TV broadcast in October 1973. Bram Stoker's Dracula was preempted for an address about then-President Richard Nixon's Vice President Spiro Agnew's resignation after criminal charges were filed against him. So, yeah. So right before the Saturday Night Massacre, which was October 20th, mm-hmm. and then, of course, Watergate and all kind of business. So, yeah. So right before all that stuff hit the fan. Instead, it was broadcast in February 1974, which is kind of, that's kind of sad for them because they were going to, they were going to play it for Halloween, right? It was going to be right, October yeah. 1973. They had to do it in February because it's a love story, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. But, and that's right. We buried the lead. This is a 1970s TV movie. <laughs> gotcha. Which we know is Nick's favorite thing in the oh, world. Oh, man, my favorite thing. And it was really hard for me to not mention when there were commercials because the com- you can see the commercial breaks in this. And it was really <laughs> hard not to go. And commercial. But yeah, 1970s TV movies. Best things in the world. 
CBS took advantage of the successful release of director Francis Ford Coppola's version in 1992 to rebroadcast this version on November 28th of 1992, which was the Saturday after Thanksgiving in the United States and 15 days after Coppola's film was released. Nice. So, yeah. So two versions were created, one for American television and a slightly bloodier one for theatrical distribution in Europe. The European version first surfaced on VHS in America in the 1980s, hosted by Elvira. Oh. Yeah. Cassandra Peterson. I love her. In 2002, the TV version was released on DVD by MPI, and they subsequently issued the theatrical version on Blu-ray in 2014. That may account for the runtime discrepancy of 98 and or 100 minutes. We watched the 98-minute 2002 DVD version. Yeah. That's a lot of numbers. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking, I don't know. I I like this, but I was also a little disappointed by it. I was expecting, it, and I realize this isn't Hammer Films, but I was expecting it to be a little sexier and a little bloodier than it was. Well, and both, I think that was for TV. Yeah. I was going to say both Mina and Lucy have those like booby nightgowns where you can like, they have a lot of cleavage. They're very yeah. cleavage heavy nightgowns. Yeah. Mina more so than Lucy though. You really true, don't see much true. from Lucy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I was just, yeah, I was expecting, yeah, I was expecting more of like the fearless vampire killers is definitely like what I'm describing. Okay. So I was expecting a little bit more like that a little bit, that seventies kind of like Benny Hill, not, funny but like that kind of thing like we you know yeah what totally. have you, kind of thing. so also also this it honestly i think the night stalker and definitely the night strangler were sexier than this and they came out before this did and are both yeah. richard matheson and dan curtis so yeah i'm not sure maybe cbs was a little stricter than abc was maybe because sure. it's got vampires and blood so maybe they were like mm, no yeah. naked dracula brides yeah, well, I don't think they'd be naked, but you could have a little more, <laughs> a, little more a little more, could be a little more busty, maybe, you know. So. Just get them in corsets and <laughs> yeah. I'll, honestly, I would like to I would like to watch the other version to see what the differences are, but I don't know that I'm gonna get to because I am not a fan of when they only release things on Blu-ray, because I don't have a Blu-ray player. I'm not gonna buy a Blu-ray player. Right. And I hate it because they do that a lot, especially with modern stuff too. It's like like, I get that Blu-ray, like, they usually put a lot of extra features on the Blu-ray ones because Blu-ray can hold more data. But, like, on something like this, there was no reason to only release the European version on Blu-ray, aside from just, like, not making it available on regular DVD. Yeah. So, you're going to make me go to BitTorrent. What you going to do, MPI? I bought this one. Purchased that DVD right off of Amazon. <laughs> so... So there are releases under the original title of Bram Stoker's Dracula on VHS and Laserdisc, but Francis Ford Coppola and Columbia Pictures purchased the rights to the title in the early 90s. As such, since the 1990s, this movie has been released under the title Dan Curtis's Dracula, or simply Dracula. Yeah, the DVD that I bought is, it says Dan Curtis's Dracula on the mm -hmm. case. Although the movie itself, they didn't change the titles. The right. movie still says Bram Stoker's Dracula because those are brand right. in, right? So. But they just can't market it that way. Yeah. Ironically, Coppola wanted to make it clear that his Dracula movie was unlike any other Dracula movie before it, despite literally buying the name 
making the Dracula character and the historical Dracula of Vlad the Impaler the same person and including a reincarnation romantic plot element with Dracula's dead wife, which in this movie was Lucy, as we mentioned, and then in the Coppola movie was Mina. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, I don't I've I had known about this movie. I had never seen it. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to see it. But now having watched it and knowing the history of it and the other, I'm kind of like, Coppola, that was kind of a dick move because they basically took the story and I mean, they kind of sexed it up. But it's basically this story and they take the title. So I'm kind of like, hmm. And I saw that movie when it came out in the theater the night it came out. I mean, I right. mentioned that before. Friday the 13th, November. I was with my then girlfriend, now wife, and we went and saw it. So. But now I'm kind of like, hmm, feeling. (laughs) Well, it's very similar to a certain other vampire show that claims like it's doing way better than the movie (laughs) version, but keeps like blatantly stealing stuff straight out of the movie, which is not in the book. So it's just one of those things. I I mean, I don't know the deal of them buying the name. So they may have gotten access to the story elements, too. I don't know. I would need to go back and like dig through the credits on the Francis Ford Coppola's version. To see if like Richard Matheson got any credit or something. I don't know that he probably did, but he may have got some stuff under the table and just didn't get like credit, credit. But anyway. Yeah. Although, to my knowledge, this has to be the first film version to ever make the connection between Dracula and Vlad the Impaler because Raddy Florescu and Raymond T. McNally had only just barely published their book, In Search of Dracula, A True Story of Dracula and Vampire Legends, in 1972. So this came out. It was going to come out in 73. So it's like right after all that stuff came out. Right. So, and then it has that little blurb at the end about how this is based in history. Ooh, yeah. Kind of thing, which, you so, know, was probably very, it was a big novelty at the time. And now everyone's like, oh, yeah, I know. We yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. Vlad Vlad Tepish. Yeah, we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back then, that was like, it's so weird because like I'm old enough to where like things that I've known my entire life. I realized only happened like either right after I was born or right before I was born. Yeah. It's so strange. I'm like, wow, that shit is really recent. And to me, it's just like, it's always existed because to me, it always has existed. Yeah. Well, it's like plate tectonics or whatever. Like you Mm -hmm. think that's super old. I was going to bring that up. We talked about that in (laughs) In Search Of, right? (laughs) That was nuts. It feels like it's knowledge that everyone has had forever. And then you find out like it's actually really recent and it's kind of mind blowing. Yeah, like the like just the first inklings of it is recent, and then like the formal like approval of it is like super recent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of nuts. The Marvel comic series, The Tomb of Dracula, features a Dracula whose appearance was actually based on Jack Palance. Nice. That series began in 1972, though. That's cool. So they just liked his look. Yeah, he had yet to play Dracula, obviously. Yes. But the artist Gene Colan. He actually got the idea to use Palance as like a model, I guess, from Palance's performance in the 1968 TV movie, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which was also a Dan Curtis production. So, yeah. Which I know I've seen that at least once on TV, but I don't remember a lot of it. I know I've read the book, but yeah, I might have to go back and watch that too. So. And then lastly, there's one thing I have to mention that was in the credits that I was like <laughs> just caught me off guard. The credits are rolling at the end. We see Castle Dracula, and it's all casting by Bodie Boatwright Baker. <laughs> I just thought about Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> you know, 
I wonder if Bodie is a nickname. <laughs> I don't know. It's not in quotes like they do, but I don't know if they did that in the 70s. But like, it's the first part. Usually the nickname is in the middle. Right? I know, I know. But Bodie Boatwright Baker. That's a name. That is a name. It's yeah. a good one. That was hilarious. But no, I liked I liked this a lot. I liked I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um yeah. It was entertaining. I watched it on Halloween while I was waiting to see if I would get trick-or-treaters. I got like one group of three and made them take a lot of candy. And I still have way too much candy. But yeah, I mean it was entertaining. It was like fun and I was like, this is a really good Halloween movie. Like it's just and then you know, I actually I did feel bad for Dracula a lot. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you poor guy. No, he did. Things he are not he, working out a, for he's you. He's a good Dracula. He is. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I liked it. it it's a little dry in parts. Sure. It was sure. It was filmed on location in Yugoslavia and then in England. Nice. So it is like an English production, even though it's a Dan Curtis thing. But it was it's weird because it was like an English production filmed in Europe and England but then made for American television and then released in European theaters with some extra bits included. So they did use, we mentioned this in the night stalker. There's one scene in particular where we talked about the blue filter in the night stalker. Yes. This movie is got blue filter itis. Oh my God. It does. It really, especially like that first scene. And then Mm -hmm. even like when Lucy is walking, to meet Dracula outside on the bench and it's just very there's like he's standing under a tree you can see the shadow yeah. like of the tree it's like okay no there's a lot of places where you're like because the blue filter can only do so much right yes. and so when they do different cuts for the different scenes you're like wait is it daytime no it's not no is it wait did it be, did it become daytime wait is it nighttime like you're really confused but yeah it's funny because if you watch the trailer that whole opening scene with all the dogs and stuff the blue filter isn't on it. So it's like totally daytime. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, that and they went a little heavy on the blue filter because that scene is hard to see. It is so dark with the dogs running through the woods uh-huh. and stuff. Yeah, no, the first scene is very... Yeah, scary. then later some of the carriage ones, you're like, oh, wait, that's sunlight. Those are shadows. Wait, is it? I don't know. It. I can't tell. <laughs> yeah. Kind of funny. And also they use those same silver crosses that Kolchak has. So they must have had those like from the same same production company, right? Probably. Mm-hmm. So those are those are definitely 70 silver crosses. I have to get one of those just to have one. Yeah, they are pretty cool looking. Yeah. But yeah, I know I liked it. Like I said, I was a little I was a little disappointed. I was I was expecting it to be a little more hammery, a little more sexy 70s kind of thing Mm -hmm. but it was it was a i think it's a it's a very good it would be interesting for someone i'm not usually a fan of doing this but i almost kind of want to see what this would look like with like modern production if you just did the exact same story sure Um, but then again i would probably hate that could be like well i just released the original so (laughs) (sighs) and then i complain about how the film grain doesn't look as good and yeah, so <laughs> there are a couple of hairs on the film in this version oh. that we have. Oh, yeah. I did not uh, notice that, but I'm I'm not surprised. Well, there's one in the actual. I actually cropped it. I put the photo of the Bodhi boat right. I cropped that one, but there's a big old hair in the upper right hand corner when I when I took that screenshot. Oh, that's funny. So yeah, but I cut it out. I cropped it. So I ah, know, but I like this a lot. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed watching it, and you know, 
I'm always down for a vampire movie. And it worked out. I did not realize when I got this to watch it. I just wanted to watch this. And I, I was thinking maybe we could do something special for Halloween. And then when I found out this was actually titled Bram Stoker's Dracula and the fact that Bram Stoker's Dracula is having a 30th anniversary the day this episode is going out on November 13th, I was like, oh, hell, we got to do that. So <laughs> this, this kind of got kicked like two weeks later to come out on the 13th. So Yeah. Which is also good because well, we were behind on summaries and we were not going to make it in time for no, we've been, Halloween. We were ghost. I won't say out. we've been slacking, but we've both been pretty busy, and so stuff is just not yeah. happening at the pace that we would prefer. Yeah, and we've decided to avoid another issue where I am gone for three and a half months. That <laughs> or um, I'm gone for three and a half months because I just lose it. You know, you never yeah, know. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, technically, next time is Tori's turn. It, it's it true. Be, it's so. true, and I have been doing a lot of things. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do what we do, both in the subscription feed and in the main feed. Yeah. I mean, we're both pretty ambitious. I think we'll manage to get a lot done, but we'll just have to see how it works. Yeah, we're never gonna do everything we want to do because no, because there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff that would be be, really really fun. We'd have something. We'd have multiple episodes out every day if there was all the stuff we want to do. So. Yeah, unless we suddenly get like 100,000 Patreon subscribers or something. (laughs) I wouldn't complain about that. I mean, I wouldn't either, but doesn't seem very likely to happen in the next few months. So, yeah. Keeping the day jobs. Yep. Which is good because there aren't vampires during the day job. So, yes. Yeah, that makes it easier. Keep your nights free for vampire hunting. Yeah, there you go. Although, as we said, <laughs> vampire hunting at night is not a good idea. You need to vampire hunt during the day. So, <laughs> damn, another plan foiled. Unless you're Buffy right. or something, yeah. Um, I'm going to go there. The, the, <laughs> there's only a movie. It's like Transformers. There's only been a movie. Oh, I like it. most of the show. At least, well, I, should, I like... shouldn't say that because obviously there was a Transformers cartoon, but there's only been one Transformers movie, and it was released in 1986, and I will fight I know, you I if you say anything I else. I saw that so. movie. I cried at the end of that movie. At the end, you cried because Unicron died. Oh no! When does Optimus Prime die? Optimus dies early. Optimus dies early. I cried when he died. Yeah, and I was sad about it. And then no, Optimus dies during the attack on Earth, and then they have to split because they gotta. Oh, see, I don't. (laughs) Look, I probably haven't seen that movie since 1988. So, (laughs) you know, and you know, my memory's not great of things that I watched like two years ago. So, good luck to me. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it came out in 1986, but... I, well, I, well my brother out. watched it repeatedly, so I'm sure uh, I saw well, I thought, it after I thought that. you had said at one point that you went and saw it in the theaters with your brother, but I guess you would have been I think we did. Well, so. yeah, I don't know if we saw it in the theater. We definitely saw it a lot. And I don't remember... I don't know if my parents took us to the theater for that, because that would have been yeah. brave. To I mean, they were smart. They sold that, that one was out on VHS, like, lickety-split, because they're like... Yeah, well, it was a kids, kids movie, right? So yeah. you gotta you got to get the target audience there. Yeah. But yeah, we definitely watched that. My brother also had the Optimus Prime toy that like transformed to mm-hmm. the semi truck. Yeah, it's very yeah. into that. Yeah, one Transformers movie, and Buffy only exists as a movie. That's fine. No, the show is good until like Tori will disagree, four. and that's fine. And and then it has some good episodes. It does have Buffy versus Dracula in season five, which is a very solid episode. Just as a standalone thing, it's very good. Mm. The yeah. Batman versus Dracula 
um, cartoon when they were doing the Batman. It was after the mm-hmm. animated series, but there was one called Batman versus Dracula, which you're thinking like, this is going to suck. It actually was pretty good. Oh, nice. So, although uh, Kevin Conroy doesn't do the voice for that Batman series, which so is a little disappointing. A little weird. But, yeah. Yeah. But the guy who did it did a good job. So I can't remember what his name was, but yeah. Batman versus Dracula. Pretty good. Anyway, I Want to Rewatch is hosted <laughs> by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians. Our X-Files adjacent feed is where we cover television films that are, in theory, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. Though we define adjacent so we can do whatever we want. (laughs) If you like what we're doing, tell a friend. We'd be happy to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we try to figure out if the truth truth is still out there. lot to say i don't have that much to say about this honestly but well you said you didn't do any research that's fine i didn't and i didn't even think about it this, to is, be this is this is my baby we need to get some of your babies in here we did the ghostbuster <laughs> we, stuff we, we didn't get i was gonna your... say we did ghostbusters that's kind of my yeah. baby it's kind of a joint a joint baby i would say have, but like, then now, custody, now i was like nope but... i'm adopting this baby and i want joint custody and maybe actually you only get weekends so <laughs> okay well you can have thanksgiving or christmas but you can't have both <laughs>